Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Why don't we start first with a question? If there's been one question that has hung over the NFL season since week number one, it is this. Who and what are the Buffalo Bills? Mafia, I would ask you to help me because I'm not sure I've got any idea either. Who and what are the Buffalo Bills? I mean, like y'all were charging up the hill looking for Sean McDermott's head on a stick like 10 seconds ago. Funny how a couple of wins over the Chiefs and the Cowboys can change that entire vibe and turn it from doom and gloom back to pure confusion. Doom and gloom back to pure confusion. Seriously, who and what the hell are these guys? Are they once again a Super Bowl contender? Or are they going to miss the playoffs altogether and fire their head coach? Have we not seen their best yet this season? Or did we just see it yesterday and is there more still there? And they are incredibly somehow peaking at the right time, right? I think. Aren't they? You don't know if these guys, seriously, Mafia, who the hell and what the hell are these guys? Are they one of the ones to beat or are they one of the ones who are going to be inevitably left on the outside looking in? And how incredible is it to see them put that beating on the Cowboys? Fraudulent as the Cowboys ever were on a day when Josh Allen completed only seven passes. As always, make that make sense because I can't. Well, actually, I can. It's your ass-run defense, Cowboy fans. But most of all, Mafia, I do want to hear from you. Is your team back on track? Are you once again a threat to win it all? Or do you still not trust them? I get that everything changes week to week in this league and that anything can happen, but no one has been a bigger example of that than the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they're wild. Again, are they one of the ones to beat? Or are they on the outside looking in? As for Dallas, no confusion there. Same as they ever were. They hammer Philly, who clearly is not what they were. We'll get a better idea tonight. But they're not what they were. And then all of a sudden, Dallas starts acting like they're the ones. You know, all this nonsense about this is their year. You know, the same sort of bullcrap we hear out of Dallas every single year, only to see... That when it matters most, they show up and they take an enormous dump in their pants. You have a big dump in your pants. You ask me. That beatdown they laid on Philly never even happened. Never even happened. Or at least I've already forgotten that it happened after seeing them get smoked yesterday and absolutely manhandled physically. Buffalo was channeling its inner Bob in L.A., and looking to run their ass down. Run his ass down. And that's exactly what they did. They ran their ass run down. Run his ass down. They ran their ass down, and that once respected and vaunted Cowboys defense just got run the hell over. And I mean literally, run the hell over. James Cook went off for 179. Buffalo ran for a total of 266. And again, no need to worry about Josh Allen trying to do too much. Dude really didn't have to do a damn thing except turn and hand it to Cook. I can't stress this enough. The guy completed seven passes, and they dominated. He completed only seven passes, 
and was like apologetic and sounded like he felt guilty about the entire thing after the game. I don't think I threw the ball that many times, which again, I don't just get it done. Let's just find a way to win. And, um, you know, felt like the, the kid that didn't do anything in the class project, but got an A. You know how it is in school, right? How it is in school with class projects and individually you get grades. And then you know how it is in the jungle, right? I always say, give me an A or give me an F. Don't waste my time with a C. Well, if the Bills group project got an A, the Cowboys group project got an F minus. So now the Cowboys have to go to summer school based on that group project yesterday, take typing or something lame like that. Hey, Cowboys, you're going to have to make up your minds. Which is it? Do you suck against good teams or do you suck on the road? Or is it both? Because yesterday, it was both. Considering Dallas was never even in that game. And if they want, they can go all Millie Vanilli with it and blame it on the rain. They could. But that would be even lamer than the actual no-show itself. Actually, you want to blame someone or something? Start with the Bills. They punched you in the face. You want to blame someone or something else? Look in the damn mirror. Straight bullied on the road. Again. But as always, do not take my word for it. Because I know a lot of you don't trust me or believe me. So I'll find you an even better source. Don't take my word for it. Take it from one of the victims of that mug job. Mr. Spicy Challenge himself. My dude, Micah Parsons. Yeah, honestly, it's just unacceptable at this point. Uh... There's no excuse for it. Uh, it's mind-boggling. I don't understand it, why we're not playing well and why we're not coming together on the road. Um, it's something that we need to look at and get better because we got to go on the road next week. Respectfully, big dude. The Cowboys being a crappy big game team that does not travel well is not mind-boggling to me at all. That's just who y'all are. That's who you are. That's who you've been. That's what you do. This is nothing new. In fact, this is the way it's been for years with this crew. I will tell you what is mind-boggling. What's mind-boggling is how people keep taking the bait and buying the hype with this team. Even though we've watched the same exact Cowboys movie play out over and over and over again. It's like streaming the same exact movie and watching it 100 times and then expecting it to end differently the 101st time you give it a spin. This is not mind-boggling at all. The only thing that's mind-boggling is that somebody thinks it's mind-boggling. And then so much for Dak Prescott and that MVP candidacy, by the way. I'm not saying that he can't win. I'm saying it took a big hit yesterday. I'm not saying that I've got a clear-cut leader who's going to win this thing and run away with it. I'm saying that Dak went whack and took a step backwards. As for who it will be, again... I mean, again, this league, man, this league, it does change week to week. So who is the one to beat right now as it relates to the MVP award? Vegas generally knows. Vegas is pointing to Brock Purdy, which makes sense, right? He is the quarterback of the best team in the NFL. But if you ask Brock, Brock thinks that he's not even the most valuable player on his own team. I mean, typical Brock. Don't talk about me. Don't look at me. 
Brock, though, says it isn't me. It's actually Christian McCaffrey. Dude, I think I think Christian should be MVP. I think I, I really do believe that. You know, he does everything um, for us, runs the ball well, can catch the ball. He does everything. And so, in my eyes, that's an MVP. Dude. I love the way he starts that. Dude. Dude, I th- Dude, it's dude, I think. Dude. Dude, I think. Dude, you're not giving yourself enough credit. I'm not saying that you have to win the award. I'm saying, dude, take some credit. Dude, you deserve more credit. Dude, dude. you can play. Dude, there really is no wrong answer here. Dude, I think. Dude, there's no wrong answer here, at least between those two dudes, dude. Dude, I think. Dude is leading the league in passer rating and touchdowns and yards per attempt. But other dude is leading the NFL in rushing by over 300 yards. So the answer right now is between dude and dude. Regardless of who the MVP is. Regardless of who the Niners MVP is, it's pretty clear it is the Niners and everybody else in the NFC. Yes, there are other dangerous teams in the NFC, but there's nobody in the Niners class. Not now. Now, flipping over to the AFC, I would say the same thing about the Ravens. If in case you're joining us late, this is what's known as the NFL whip around. I hammer as much as I possibly can in the open. You know, bam, bam, bam. Let's go. Thank you, Avi. Let's go to the AFC. I would say the same thing about the Ravens as it relates to them. It's them and then everybody else. And if it weren't for that horrific Keaton Mitchell injury, and no, I am no doctor, but I don't think I need to be to know that your two knees are not supposed to be pointed in opposite directions. I understand the risks involved. I get that everybody who plays that game knows exactly what they signed up for. But man, do I feel for that dude. Like, my knee hurts. What happened to his knee would be like me putting one of my shoes on backwards and then walking out the door with one shoe pointing that way and one shoe pointing this way, except it wouldn't hurt, and I could just flip it around. Either way, hate to see it. Hate to see it. And now that I have seen it, I can't unsee it. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Probably so. Listen, this time don't make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Grab instead a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. That's my go-to. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender and it's made from real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. Plus, Old Trapper is a family-owned business. I know this family, and I know they take smoked beef extremely seriously so you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating an old shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors, old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in the Clearview bag. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Now, had I not seen that, I would have said things could not be going any better for the Ravens than they are right now. Things are going almost as well for the Ravens as they're going horribly for the Jags. I'm not sure how things can be going much better for the Ravens or much worse for the Jags. I mean, Duval! That was a brutal 
night. And that's no one-off either, right? That's not just one bad night. Every team in that league has one bad night. That's not what this is. Like, I can't even imagine the tenderoni tenderizing that must have gone down after that game. Tenderoni lives were ruined for sure last night. I mean, seriously, what the hell happened to this team? Three weeks ago, we're talking about how they actually control their own fate. Three weeks ago, we were talking about how they might be the AFC number one seed. Now they're fighting for their lives in the AFC South. Now they're tied with two teams that are playing much better football right now in the Colts and Texans. It's somehow conceivable that the Jags could go from being the team to beat for the number one seed to actually missing the playoffs altogether. Especially since Trevor Lawrence came away from that game in the protocol. The concussion protocol. I bet all of the Jags fandom right now feels concussed. Especially after the last three weeks. Jags fan, he's got whiplash. Jags fan is dizzy. Jags fan is probably feeling all the effects of a major hangover. In fact, you know what they ought to do? They ought to construct the world's biggest blue tent. And have every Jags fan walk in. Because right about now, I bet they all feel like they're in concussion protocol. Every last one of them. In other words, every Jags fan knows exactly what it feels like to be a ruined and destroyed Tenderoni right about now. Hey, Tenderoni, find me. Section 403, row M, seat 20. Bring a Bible and a seatbelt. I'm out. What up, Queen? Trevor Lawrence was not... The only noteworthy QB. Segway. Segway. He was not the only noteworthy QB to come away yesterday with a smashed up dome because the Coog Hunter, Zach Wilson, also walked away from that utter beatdown in Miami with a head injury. I mean, I think. I mean, it looked like it. Then again, in typical Jets fashion, who knows, right? In typical Jets fashion, even the concussion has become a controversy. Like everything else the Coog Hunter ever does. I mean, essentially, like everything else the Jets do. Initially, they reported as just dehydration. You can see how they can get those two things confused, right? He's just dehydrated. No, he's concussed. Oh. Oh, okay. So, at first, it's dehydration. Then, supposedly... A head injury, but not a concussion. Then finally, the Coog was ruled out with, you guessed it, a concussion. So he was benched. Again. Or concussed. Depending on who you ask or who or what you believe, right? Jets fan slash conspiracy theorist would tell you that the Coog Hunter faked a concussion. That's a lot, man. Even for Jets fan to accuse a guy of faking a concussion. How's that work? They walk in the blue tent. Hey, Coog Hunter, look at me. What day is it? Oh, uh, Wednesday? What year is it? 1844? Who do you play for? The Dodgers? All right, concussion, he's out. What, he faked a concussion? I don't know. That they would have you believe that. Jets fan slash conspiracy theorists. And why? Because, well, he'd gone on record, allegedly, 
is saying that he did not want to return to action because he was afraid of getting hurt. Remember that story from the the Athletic? Thing is, say what you want about the Cougar Hunter, but on that point, he was not wrong. If he had concerns that he might get hurt, if he went back out there, he was dead on. <laughs> he was back out there yesterday, and then he got hurt. Allegedly? I mean, the guy got hurt. He was bad yesterday. He was so bad yesterday and so beat up yesterday that that amazing game he had last week almost never happened, right? Remember that whole thing about him flipping his mindset? Remember that thing last week? He flipped his mindset. He went out there thinking and playing like, man, I don't give a damn. I'm just going to let it all hang out. I'm going to let it rip. What's it matter? Then he has the best game of his career, and then everybody's talking about, man, dude just saved his career. He had the best game of his career, and he just saved his career. After yesterday, again, I'm not even sure that happened. Picks or it didn't happen because I've already forgotten. But I'm not fixated on, this is important now, I am not fixated on nor putting all of this on the Coog Hunter. Believe it or not, it's not all his fault. For one, he's not the one who drafted him second overall. He didn't draft himself second overall. Number two, it's not like anybody is doing anything to coach this guy up or really anything at all to help this guy out. Which brings me to the head coach, Bob Sala, the one with a warehouse of receipts and probably a few hundred more shoeboxes full after yesterday. But that's the thing, right? Taking receipts. Yeah, he's got lots of receipts. My man's got millions of receipts, but no answers. I don't know what he's going to do with all of those receipts if he gets his ass fired. But at least he'll have some mementos, mementos to remember his 16 and 32 record with. And all those times, everybody else was right about his team. You know, all that gum bumping about receipts, 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 receipts. All those receipts, but seemingly no answers because Mike McDaniel made this dude look terrible yesterday. And you don't even have to take it from me. As always, don't take it from me. I always try to find you a better source than me. Jet Player was happy to lay it all out after the game, and not just one. It seems like Jet Player agrees that the coaching is not exactly optimal. It seems like Jet Player would really rather be playing for Mike McD than Robert Receipts. As an example, Garrett Wilson, stud. Garrett Wilson, star. Garrett Wilson wondering, how is it that Miami didn't even have Tyreek Hill and it still didn't matter? And how is it that Miami just looked to get Jalen Waddle involved and did so and it was the easiest thing ever? Wilson wants to know why Waddle can get wide us open, but he himself cannot. Easier to, to scheme, you know, Reek or, you know, and then Reek, Reek go down, they put Waddle in there and he go for 150 and that's you know, that's the ball that I grew up loving. Um, but, you know, that's not how it's going right now. I got to figure it out. Be better. Um, run better routes. Um, be better in the meeting room to figure out how I can be involved early and often and how we can win games. So my man makes a pretty good point, right? The Dolphins didn't, they just cooked with Waddle. Even without the Cheetah. 
And credit to Tua, who had a monster game against a great defense, allegedly. When everybody was saying this guy couldn't do jack, everybody was saying he couldn't do exactly what he just did without Tyreek Hill. So credit to Tua, credit to the coaching staff, but no credit to the Jets coaching staff. Because as bad as they look, as bad as those Garrett Wilson comments were, these from Alan Lazard are even worse. You hit the early adversity with the strip sack at the one-yard line, so obviously you're down 7 nothing. How do you think the team did in, in responding to that adversity? You can say that we didn't win or score. Um, I would say not very well. Yeah. Why is that? Why is what? That you didn't respond well. Um, I think they just played a better game, you know. They out-schemed us, out-efforted us. Um, they, had a, they played a better football game than we did today, so um, it's just... Just tough. Hey, Bob, there's another receipt for you, except it came from one of your own guys. Do you keep a box of separate receipts when your own players say things that are critical about you, directly or indirectly? That's not good for you, Bob. Out-schemed and out-efforted. Who does that point back to? And now out of the playoffs, officially, for the 13th consecutive year, which means the longest active playoff drought in the four major sports, rolls on. And it means all that Aaron Rodgers comeback talk was a total waste of everybody's time. As was all that Jets preseason hype, as were all those receipts that Robert collected over the past two years. All that talk, all that hype, all those receipts, but the same old Jets. I don't know. Maybe Rob should take a play out of Sean McDermott's playbook. Rally up the team with a reference to some horrific, tragic moment in U.S. history. Rob just needs to find a way to tie the attack on Pearl Harbor in with building team camaraderie. 13-year playoff drought? Might as well be 30. Help them out, Kamish. Roger should just expand the playoffs to another team every single year until New York makes it in. Then when it gets really desperate and it doesn't work, just do what Ears did and make the playoff play-in games to get into the playoffs. I mean, help them out, Kamish. Do the right thing. That's like a really long whip around, and that's barely half of what I have to talk about. I could have done a legitimate take on every single team in the league this year or every single team in the league right now based on this weekend alone. 1-800-636-8686. See what we got here. A little bit of reaction before I go to break. At D Cook 406, Romy, no one is buying the Cowboy hype except for the Cowboy honks. Every year is their year until it's not. If you lived in Texas like I do, you see this every freaking year. And no one is happier than me when they take their annual big dump in their pants. Big dump in your pants.
You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. It is Frank Schwab. He joins me via Zoom. Frank, thanks for making time. Always good to have you on. What's going on? Love it, Jim. Happy holidays to you and everybody out there. And boy, this NFL season just keeps getting crazier, doesn't it? Oh, man. Happy holidays. It does. It does. In fact, I'm glad you started like that because I hate Frank. I hate cliches because they're lame and they're stale. But the NFL being a week-to-week league has never been more true than it is right now, especially as it applies to the Bills. What does their beatdown of Dallas tell you about Buffalo? And then where does it leave the Cowboys? Yeah, and I've been saying, Jim, for the last few weeks that the Bills are either going to miss the playoffs or make the Super Bowl. And now it looks like they're going to make the playoffs, which means they're going to make the Super Bowl, I guess, if I'm right. What they did yesterday was so impressive in that Josh Allen wasn't even a big part of it, right? Like he, he threw 15 times. He was just kind of taking a backseat as the defensive running game took over. I thought that was huge for the Bills. And the reason why I've been so high on the Bills is, look, they lost a lot of close games. We know they have elite talent. They're a really, really good team. And I thought if they did make the playoffs, it's because they were peaking late. It's because they were really playing well. Look what's happened. Should have beat the Eagles in Philly. Did beat the Chiefs in Kansas City and then beat down the Cowboys yesterday. I, I This team is peaking at the right time. I don't care if they have to go on the road. And look, they can still hunt down the the Dolphins and win the AFC East. I don't, But I don't care if they have to go on the road. This is the kind of team that could win big games on the road. They're battle-tested. Josh Allen's playing great. Offensive coordinator change was good for them. Everything about the Bills lines up for me. I really, really like them. And the Cowboys, look, the Cowboys are a really good team, but they have one big issue. They're great at home. They're not as good on the road. And last I looked, they're going to have to go on the playoffs, on the road in the playoffs. They're not winning the NFC East anymore after losing yesterday. I thought yesterday exposed a lot of things about them. It's hard for me to get them to a Super Bowl having to win three straight road games, considering they just haven't been that good on the road this year. No, nor can they stop the run either. Frank Schwab is joining us. And Frank, to the point about the Dolphins, let me ask you about Tua. I thought he made a statement yesterday by having a huge game without Tyreek Hill. I say that because Tua is frequently shortchanged because, well, Tyreek Hill and because he's got an elite play caller in Mike McDaniel. So plenty would have you believe that they win in spite of him and not because of him. Where do you personally come out on Tua? Do you think he's an elite quarterback or how would you characterize him? See, Jim, that's a big thing. He's coming up on the last year of his rookie deal, right? The Dolphins are going to have to make this decision. I can sit here and talk to you. Doesn't matter. I'm not the one putting up $50 million a year, right? But I think the Dolphins learned something yesterday about their quarterback. You know, I, I'm sure they had questions, too. How good is Tua without Tyreek? We saw him against the Titans. That offense struggled. Well, you know, their game plan went out the window, too, and Tyreek went out early in the game. This week, they were able to say, okay, we're probably not going to have Tyreek. Let's build a game plan. Otherwise, Tua executed it perfectly against a really, really good defense. I know the Jets stink as a team, but their defense is still really good. And Tua, without Tyreek Hill, absolutely torched him. I thought it was a huge statement for him to say, yeah, I am that elite guy. I am that top 10 guy. You can pay me. Go ahead. Because you don't have to worry if Tyreek Hill starts slowing down that I'm not going to be the same quarterback. I thought that was an excellent game for Tua. And I don't think there's a ton of haters out there still on Tua. But some people still question him. 
He shut a lot of those people up yesterday by having the game he did. I mean, he completes his first 13 passes. Game's over by halftime. Really, really big statement by Tua without his superstar receiver. Agreed. I trust him. Frank Schwab is joining us. So, Frank, you talk about Buffalo, and I think you're right. I mean, they could get hot. They can go on the road. They can make a Super Bowl run. Right now, the Ravens, though, took another big step towards locking up the AFC's top seed with the win over the Jags, which sets up a massive game between Baltimore and the Niners on Christmas night. As you look ahead to that, are there any areas where you would give the Ravens the edge over the Niners in what might be a Super Bowl preview? Look, the Ravens are a really, really good team. I, I think that maybe we've been sleeping on them a while. We've been talking about the Niners for a long time as the best team in football. Well, the Ravens, I, I mean, the stat that's been out there about them, They've led every single game at the final two-minute warning, which is it just goes to show how good they are, how close they are to being undefeated at this point. They blew a couple late leads. That you know that happens competitive league, but I think the one thing that stands out, and this isn't Purdy hate, I, I promise, but they have that dude at quarterback that could just make five plays a game that nobody else can. We saw it last night that pass he made to Isaiah Likely. Who makes that play? It's Lamar Jackson, not many other guys. You almost view that game on Christmas as almost an MVP elimination game, right? Like I, whoever wins that game is really going to look good in that MVP race. And you can make an argument for Lamar being the MVP because he means so much to that team. They lose Mark Andrews, doesn't matter. They lose a couple of running backs, doesn't matter. They still got Lamar and they do other things really, really well. Great coach, great pass defense, good depth at receiver. Isaiah Likely has done a great job replacing Andrews. So I don't think the Ravens really take a back seat to the 49ers in many ways. They're right there with them. I think the 49ers are slightly better, but it also wouldn't shock me if the Ravens beat them on Christmas, go on and win a Super Bowl. They do have that kind of upside. Frank Schwab joining us. Frank, got to get your thoughts on the Steelers. For instance, we know the Steeler ownership likes to change coaches like, I don't know, every 30 years or so, but does it look to you like that Mike Tomlin might be losing this team? And maybe what if ownership doesn't tell him he's done? Could you see him possibly leaving on his own? Like, how do you view that situation overall? Yeah, it gets really, really interesting, Jim, because if you look, uh, let's be honest, if, if Mike Tomlin got fired, th there's about a dozen teams that would be on the phone with him within a minute, right? I, I mean, he is a Hall of Fame level coach. I don't know if he's going to make the Hall of Fame. He has that kind of resume. And I can promise you that odds are Steelers next coach is not going to be as good as Mike Tomlin, right? But at some point, maybe the message does get stale. Maybe this just isn't working right now and they do need a change to try something else. He always likes to say the standard is the standard. Well, the standard's not being met right now by Mike Tomlin. I, this team has taken some horrible losses lately. You lose the Cardinals and the Patriots back-to-back -back weeks. You're uncompetitive against a Colts team that was playing uh, basically a preseason lineup on offense. I mean, they had so many backups in there. There's no excuse for the Steelers. They're really slumping bad. I like Mike Tomlin. I think he's a great coach. But maybe it's to the point where it's best for both sides to get a fresh start. I don't know. These are very difficult decisions the Steelers are going to have to make because they're just not right. They're just not there right now. Maybe it's time for a reset. I don't know. It, it's just scary to go into that world where maybe the next, maybe get the next Urban Meyer, Ben McAdoo, uh, Josh McDaniels. You know, I, there's so many failures at head coach. When you have a Hall of Fame guy, you don't want to let him go. But at the same time, that ownership has to be saying, this ain't the standard that Mike Tomlin preaches about, and you know, maybe we do have to consider what we do next. It wasn't even the standard when they were 7-4, and four, but, man, this thing went sideways fast. No. Frank, before yeah. you go, since you're based in Colorado and you've covered the Broncos for a long time, what do you make of Sean Payton lighting Russell Wilson up on the sideline during that beatdown by the Lions and then refusing to discuss it with reporters after the game? And What's the reaction been like locally? 
Yeah, I think that's mostly just Sean being Sean. You know how he gets during games. He's a competitive dude, fiery dude. Look, there's going to be things that happen on the sideline. I've never tried to take too much out of that. Remember back early in the season, it was, oh, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown hate each other because they're arguing on the sideline. No, that, that's not it. It's just a, a, an emotional game. I That's how I took it. Just two emotional guys, two competitors. I think his relationship is actually working pretty well. I Sean Payton has done a remarkable job after they fell to one and five, get his team back in the playoff mix. You look at their remaining schedule, I, I think they could still make the playoffs. They could do that. Sometimes you just get upset. You get angry at the quarterback on the sideline. You have some words. It happens. I, I don't think there's been too much made of that. I think Russell's had a good year, a rebound year. I think he's shown he can play with Peyton. Peyton can work with Russell Wilson. So I just view that as an isolated incident. But let's see. Let's see if their season does go a little south to see how that relationship goes because everybody's been watching it this year. Overall, I think it's been good. I'm going to give him a pass for Saturday and that little uh, little encounter they had. Sure. So before you go, from a wagering standpoint, I'm curious, Frank. I mean, we talk about this all the time, but how are you approaching tonight's game between the Eagles and Seahawks, given the uncertainty for both teams at quarterback? You know, if if sitting out on being on the sideline is not an option, how do you approach something like that? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, how you know, who knows who's playing quarterback? We could get Drew Locke. We could get Marcus Mariota. We could get Hurts. We could get Smith. I'm just taking it as I think both quarterbacks are going to play, but I like the Seahawks because it's a desperate team. They're at home. And this Philly team, look, when you make a defensive coordinator change this late in the season to Matt Patricia, of all people, when you're 10 and three, it tells me there's something underlying there. The Eagles are a little, they're pushing, I don't want to say pushing a panic button necessarily, but there's a little more panic than we thought with the Eagles. I think the Seahawks team knows it has to win. Played Dallas really, really well. They got the kind of receivers to give, take advantage of a Eagles secondary hasn't been good. I kind of like the Seahawks as a home dog growing. I, I I think they have a real shot to uh, maybe even pull off the upset here. All right, so help me with this really quickly. I mentioned that you went to school in Madison, which I love. The Rome family is spending its first Christmas in Eagle River, Wisconsin. Typically, Frank, this time of year, I'm hunting oh. sun. What can I expect? How should I approach it? Cold, cold, dress warm, my man. That is who voluntarily goes to Wisconsin in yeah, right? Dece- late December. Oh, there's a reason I don't Not live me. there anymore, my friend. Uh, yeah. I, I love Wisconsin. Enjoy it. If, go to a Bucks game, though. If, 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 you know, find your way to Milwaukee, baby. Check out Giannis. That, Dude, that I'm not leaving the house. Come on now. Let's get real. I'm not leaving the house. Oh, no, no. You, you need a... You need a fire, crank that heat up. Oh, Wisconsin, this is a this is a bad decision, Jim. I don't yeah, know what no you're doing. No doubt, right? I was hoping I, I love you. I, was, I don't know why, Frank, I thought that you might tell me it's the best thing you could possibly do, but instead you're only reaffirming what you know, I already know. You know it's from a bad SoCal decision. to Wisconsin, I... I know, dude. People from Wisconsin go to SoCal. You're going to be here to see them on the other way. I know. I hear you. I hear you. I got a house there that I don't want to waste. So I, I think you're right. I think we'll find out. Frank Schwab is an NFL and sports betting writer for Yahoo Sports. Also a good friend <laughs> of the program. Always showing up like that. Frank, appreciate you very much. Thanks for doing that. Great job. I love, I love it, Jim. Appreciate it. You too, Frank. So I've got to tell you guys about this. The other day, I've come across a product that all of us should be carrying around. It's something totally different for fresh breath. It's an amazing product called Zellman's Minty Mouth, and I'm telling you, it's a game changer. If you're up in the grill with somebody else and you're making your case for whatever it is, make sure your breath is fresh. Zellman's cleans your breath in a way that other mints don't and can't because it's not just a mint. It's a functional breath freshener capsule that you swallow. Clinically tested against the toughest offenders like garlic and onions, you just pop two or three in your mouth, you suck the minty coating, then you 
swallow the capsule for the confidence of fresh, clean breath, and it lasts for hours. This product is like nothing else you've ever tried. It fights bad breath in your mouth, and then it goes right down to your gut. This is the ultimate hack to get rid of coffee, garlic, or smoker's breath. You're going to like having the confidence of long-lasting fresh breath or your money back guaranteed. These folks will give you your money back. Not that you'll want it, but they will. They have free shipping if you order three packs or more. Trust me, you're going to want more, and nobody likes to pay for shipping. Go to Zellmans.com right now. That's Z-E-L-M-I-N-S.com right now. You'll get 15% off when you use my promo code ROAM. That's Z-E-L-M-I-N-S dot com. You have to use the code Rome to get your 15% savings. Do it now. Let's go to Denver. Scott. Good to have you, Scott. What's going on? What's up, Vance Mac? What's up, Scott? Well, like Bobby Brady said in that one episode, when it's time for a change, you've got to make a change. And the change is going to come. And Cindy laughed at him. I'm out. Wow, dude. Well, it is the last week of the year, so I think I'll allow that. A Bobby Brady reference. Way to continue to age the audience. Bobby did sound like that. When he first did it, I'm like, damn, that was a voice crack. But then I saw that he did it on purpose. Let me check some reaction. Tommy's laughing at something. Apparently the JTP is not happy with Scott in Denver. Rome, tell that dude. <laughs> tell that dude in Denver it was Peter Brady, not Bobby Brady, you kook. What's up, Vance Mack? I didn't correct him. I guess up, I'm Scott? as guilty of that as anybody else. Well, like Bobby Brady said in that one episode. <laughs> None of us corrected him. I guess we're we're as guilty. At John Worcester writes, here is your 4796 numbered reply. It was Peter Brady, D-bag. Go back and run that guy. Like Bobby Brady said in that one episode. Stuck ah! nut. Come on, y'all. No. It was Peter Brady. You don't like that cop. I don't like that cop. At like Mean cop. cop. I think that's a lady clone, actually. Right? Have to point out, Peter was the Brady going through the change. Rome, a Brady reference is one thing, but at least make the caller get it correct. It was Peter who sang that song about change when his voice changed. Not Bobby. Good grief. I can't believe that that many of you know and that many of you care that much. Rome, tell that fool it was Peter, not Bobby Brady. Get your facts straight. Justin P. Yep, I'm older. It was Peter's voice that cracked. Mike and Aurora, uh, I don't know that I've seen this much reaction to anything that's happened on this show in months. All because a guy called up pretending to be Bobby Brady in a famous episode of The Brady Bunch that was probably dropped in 1970 or something. Guys, JTP, at least he didn't say Greg. Or Marsha. Or Jan. Or better yet, Alice. Or what's-his-face, the butcher who kept trying to get nice with Alice. (laughs) 
Salty Sarah wants to correct us. That was Peter Brady whose voice changed. You know, the funny thing is, too, all of you doing this are acting like you're the only ones who know. And by the way, why do you want to be right about that? Of all things, I can't wait till somebody jacks something up about the Partridge family. As a kid, I think I remember that block. I think it was a programming block. I think it was once a week. I don't remember what night. But I think they went Brady Bunch into the Partridge family. <laughs> wow. The JTP. Look at this guy. Hey, it was Peter Brady, you dweeb. Like Bobby Brady said in that one Stephen Windsor. Anybody else want to correct that dweeb? Too much. Here's another one. Peter Brady, not Bobby, had the voice change. Dan in Tucson. Dang. Y'all love the Brady Bunch. U.S. Cellular wants to help everybody get the gift of connection this holiday season. Already a customer? This applies to you, too, because right now, new and current customers can get any phone, and I mean any phone, for free. Yes, really free. Sounds like it's time to make the switch. Spread holiday cheer far and wide this season with a new phone. Everybody can get the gift of connection at U.S. Cellular. Get any phone free today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms apply. Visit uscellular.com for for details. Monday Night Football means big head bets. I welcome in James Kelly. Head, I'm guessing that your giant cranium expanded even further after the weekend you just had. Is there a single doorway in your home that you can still walk through without your dome getting stuck? No, not after this weekend, Jim. Absolutely not. Give it to me. How did you end up doing no, this no, no. weekend? Four and one. Four and one for um, our best bets on Friday. Remind me, which one did you lose? Oh, that Ritter guy. That Ritter guy, yes. Mm. He um, ruined it for me. All Ritter. Yeah, but listen, I, I, hate, I hate that because you and I did talk <laughs> about that, quote, Ritter guy. Mm-hmm. And I said I was higher on him than you were. Mm-hmm. But you did still pick him. I did. I did. Minus three. Not good. Yeah, listen, I, I said that when we picked that game, I said this. Under no circumstances could Desmond Ritter and Arthur Smith lose that game to the pathetic Panthers. I took it one step further. I said, under no circumstances should they not be able to cover. So what happens? They lose outright. Mm. Sucks. Mm. Brutal. Brutal. Not good for either one of them, I would say. I agree with that, too. And they are not on the same page. It's like he doesn't trust them, so it's not going to work between the two of them. Exactly. It's like he doesn't trust him, and then he goes out there and he gives him a reason not to trust him. Uh, That's it, right there. So... Or either one, does one lose their job? Do both lose their jobs? I hate to see it because they both have good jungle ties, but that can't happen. That's not one of those things. That can't happen. One does. Ritter. You don't get rid of uh, angry Arthur Smith just like you don't get rid of Mike Tomlin, Steeler fan. Yeah, I don't know. I I think that angry Steeler fan wants to get rid of Mike Tomlin, and I wonder about Arthur Smith. I wonder if angry Arthur blank we make a move on angry Arthur Smith. And the thing about Arthur, and I love Arthur. Help me mm-hmm. with this really quickly. Mm-hmm. Then don't. Let's get into tonight's game instead. <laughs> Tricky matchup tonight. Okay. Eagles and Hawks. Uh-huh. Tricky because we don't know who is going to play and who's not going to play. Let me get right to it. What is the latest number? It's been moving around, and what are you doing with it? 
The Eagles are favored by three and a half points, and it's because a year after being one of the most surprising teams in the NFL, the Seahawks might be one of the gum murderers' most disappointing teams to date. They had high expectations this season. They even got aggressive in October and traded some valuable draft stock for Leonard Williams. They are one in five since then, and the defense, which Williams was supposed to help, has gotten worse. They've allowed 408 yards a game since the trade, and 154 of those yards are coming on the ground. Both of those numbers would rank dead last in the NFL for a full season right now. And now they get an Eagles team that runs the ball 30 times a game. But biggest worry for Philly, of course, is that defense of theirs as well. A year ago, under Jonathan, shot out of a cannon Gannon, that pass rush had the best uh, sack percentage this century which uh, would be a nightmare for a gassy line like the Seahawks have right now. But this year, their, uh, uh, their sack rate's about half of what it was in 2022, so that's not good. So maybe just maybe Mudcalf and the fellas can get going. And overall, Sean Desai has done such a terrible job with these guys. They've now promoted, like Frank said, Matt, the Ticonderoga, to call plays for this team, a dude who outside of New England has been garbage at coaching defense. When he was a head coach at Detroit, his final two seasons, his defense was uh, finished 31st and 32nd in NFL yards per game, 32nd in scoring his last season there. Let's go against Rock, Paper, Sirianni, and take the points and go with the 12th man, Seattle, plus three and a half. You're going to take the points. Take the points. Seattle I don't know. Plus they, three I, I agree. They're going to Matt the Ticonderoga at this juncture of the season with the 10 Week wins they already 15. have, man, that does smack to me of desperation. Week 15. Yeah. Week 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Seems to me, I don't know, I, I'm with you. Seattle, I think, has lots of issues. They do not look anywhere near like they used to look. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like this game. I don't, I don't like anything about it, but I'm going to go against you, even though you're on yeah. one. I will lay the points. I don't like the hook. I saw it earlier at minus three. I didn't like it at minus three. I really don't like it at minus three and a half. But I'm going to go ahead and lay the points. Take the road, dog. I understand that Seattle is a desperate team. They're at home. But sometimes you got to do what you got to do, Head. Road, yeah. Well, road favorite, you're taking it. And they have actually yes, been the best Yes, excuse play. me. Road favorite. Yeah. Road They've favorite. Been the best play all season long. So you could be right there. All right. So do you see any other any other props or anything else you like about this? Yeah, I was going to go with Mudcalf prop, but I don't know his quarterback right now, so let's go with DeAndre Swift over 59.5 yards rushing. Past two weeks, he hasn't come close to that total, but they were playing catch-up ball against San Francisco and Dallas, but I mentioned that Seattle's horrid run D, and even the last three weeks, they're allowing 5.3 yards per carry. So let's go with DeAndre over 59 and a half yards rushing. Dude, I like that. I want to make one more point about Seattle. Not exactly the Legion of Boom, are they? Legion of Ass is more like it. They can't stop the run. They can't prevent the pass. They can't do anything defensively at all. No, they can't. Uh -uh. Another reason why. Strength, right? Exactly, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that the gum murderer's deal? That's supposed to be. They can't do any of the above. All right, so I like that prop bet. And I think that I will take the road favorite, although they're not what they were. What else you got, Head? Anything? No, that's it. I'm kind of confused by Stiller fan, but yeah, that's it. Go ahead, weigh in on that. Um, I think that um, they've been spoiled by his good coaching and it's going to come back and bite Mike Tomlin in the ass because he's never had a top 10 pick since he's been a Steelers head coach by being a bad coach. They traded up one year and they missed that pick. I think the bigger problem is in the front office where he's bringing in these bad character guys around him. 
Think about it. Mike Tomlin's one of the greatest leaders of any sport around, and if he's having problem with character guys, it's the people they're bringing in, the Pickens, the Johnsons, and then Tiny Hands. He ain't it. But Mike Tomlin will be punished for it because that's how it usually goes, and then somebody else will love to have Mike Tomlin. That's it. Sorry. I like it. Nice job. All right. Head. Let's see how it goes. James Kelly, Big Head Bets. He'll have that on the X as well. Talk to you soon, Head. I think he makes a very good point about the Steelers. Hey, look. I'm talking about Sean Merriman. He joins us via Zoom. Sean, what's going on? How are you? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, dude. Good. So let me start first, Sean. Good to have you back. Let me ask you about the Steelers, or I should say the Chargers, then the Steelers. Brandon Staley fired this week. Many thought that maybe that might happen after last year's playoff collapse. But given the fact, in your opinion, given the fact that he was hired in large part for his defensive prowess, given the talent that he had on that side of the ball, why was he unable to fix that defense? You know, that's, uh, you know, the $10 million question, right? Because, you know, outside of last year, you can look at three or four different times this year alone that he probably could have been let go. Um, my problem wasn't the, the problems that they were having on the defense side of the ball. My my problem with him at towards the end of his tenure was his un- inability to adjust or didn't want to adjust, you know, uh, firing back off at the reporters and the media after that when they asked, asked him very simple questions. And, and Jim, look, we've all been there where – we don't want to ask, you know answer these questions after a, a, a tough loss or bad performance. And you know when you start to fire back off the reporters when they're asking simple questions. By the way, the questions that we all have when we watch the games, and then you fire back off at them in a negative way and tell them not to answer. That's where my issues came in from. So you expect when you have a, a defensive guru or someone that's a defensive coach bringing in that that's going to be the strong suit of your team, and it just wasn't. Sean Merriman's joining us. No, it was not. Hey, Sean, I've done this a long, long time, and I want to be very careful how I pose this because I'm not that hot take artist. I mean, the worst thing that you can say about an athlete or a team, and you learn this as day one as an athlete, the worst thing you could say about anybody in sports is that they quit. I'm just going to be very careful how I pose this question. If Vegas scores none, and then Vegas comes out and drops 63 on you, harsh as it sounds... Did any aspect of that Charger team appear to you to lay down or quit? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, no. I mean, I don't think it's another way to put it or answer that question. Yes, they did. Because as a pro, it is extremely hard to put a 60-plus point game on you. It is extremely hard as a pro. And I don't care how bad your team is. If you got 11 guys out there fighting on both sides or three phases of the game, it is hard to score 60-plus points. Now, I'm not saying as, as a collective group that guys quit. But I'm saying that if you got 11 guys on the team on the defense or offense, there are five to six guys out there that have to not have to want to go out there and win a football game or go that extra mile and put in the effort to win. So you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lay a, a blanketed statement across the whole team, offense, defense, special teams, but to let a team like the Raiders, who also wasn't that great of a team, score 60 plus points on you, there had to be some quit involved, and that comes. A, a, that's a direct answer to. Uh, to your leader, to your head coach, to your coaching staff, or whoever you have that's calling those plays and making those decisions. That is our direct answer to say, we're not playing for you anymore. So, yeah, I don't I don't think that's a, a, a fair, unfair assessment to say that you had guys out there that, that flat out quit. I can appreciate that response. Sean Merriman joining us. So what about Pittsburgh? And I bring this up only because it's been a thing all morning long on the show. Sean, I've got Stewart fans saying, hey, hey, Rome, listen, you and the national media just don't get it. You've never gotten it. And they're saying things like, Mike Tomlin is fraudulent. 
And I'm saying the guy's never had a losing season, all right? He's never picked in the top 10. He's never had a losing season. I'm not saying that guys aren't starting to tune him out because even the best, the messages go stale. But to call this guy fraudulent and to make it sound like he's some sort of hack and that somebody else would have a lot more success with that team, like when you look at the Steelers, what do you see? You know, if, if they decided to move on from Mike Tomlin right now, it would be the biggest mistake they've made in Steeler history. You know, you have somebody, like you just said, a coach who hasn't had a losing record since he's been there. And sometimes when you when you have a coach there for that long and he's had that much success and that much winning, people are quick to move on uh, because they think there's something else better out there. And I, I'll tell you, we all heard the statements that, the grass ain't green on the other side. And sometimes, you know, when you won and you've been in that situation for so long, people are looking like, okay, let's move on. But guess what? Who do you move on to? Are you gonna keep are you gonna find another coach who's gonna be there as long as he have and, and, and win as many games he have? And by the way, you make that decision, there's no backtracking. You can't call Mike Tomlin back and say, Hey, we made a mistake. Can we bring you back in? No, you're moving on for someone who's been a staple for that organization for a very long time. So if you are going to decide to move on from Mike Tomlin, you better make you better make sure you make the right move. Because once you move on from a coach like that, you're not getting him back. And by the way, there's 31 other teams going to be looking at, looking at him as well. See, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think that a lot of times fans, they get a little bit entitled, they get impatient, and they're like, we can do better, we can do better, we can do better. And then when you look at history, you don't generally do better when you run guys like that off. I'm not saying that the message isn't stale, but you can't just, quote, do better. Hey, Sean, really quickly, let me bounce back to the Chargers. Knowing them the way you know them, and knowing the Spanos family the way you know the Spanos family, do you think this time they would take a big swing and spend the money that it would take to get a Bill Belichick or a Jim Harbaugh? Or maybe do you think that's not the right way to go anyway? I think this, um, and there's no slight towards Bill Belichick. There's no slight towards Jim Harbaugh and just their career and what their body of work, what they've done, especially Bill Belichick, because he'll, he's, he'll go down as one of the greatest coaches in the history or, or maybe the greatest coach. But people are so fascinated with big names. They're so fascinated. So they, when they see the two, two big names there, they think that you just hire these coaches and you're going to win football games. Well, it doesn't work that way. There's a process that's involved in everything that you do, right? So if you have a Jim Harbaugh or a uh, Bill Belichick come in, hey, what's your plans with Justin Herbert? What's your plans with the offense? Who are you bringing in? Who are you letting go? Okay, Khalil Mack's contract's coming up. He has a big cap. Are you moving on from both? Are you so there's, there's a long process that goes in on um, – on finding a new head coach. And I'm just not so fascinated with just, okay, these are the big names that are going to come in and start winning football games for us because it just doesn't work that way. And also, I want to I want to say this. Um, because of this team and this roster, they were Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, and we don't know what's going to happen with Mike Williams and his defense that they have. They got talent. They got names. So the next coach that you bring in, you have to get it right because you, you, you know what type of team and roster you have that you're dealing with, and you're not – uh, nothing certain that you're going to keep all these guys together for this next three to five years. So whoever you bring in has to know what they're doing right away when they come in with this talented roster. Right, not to mention you can't afford to keep everybody anyway because Justin Herbert's rookie contract is going to expire and now he's going to get paid and should get paid and will get paid. I mean, Sean, do you have an idea of specifically who you would like to see coach that team or maybe just the kind of person you'd like to see coach that team? What should they do? 
you know, look, you, you can't go wrong by at least considering Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, if these guys seriously want to come in and they and they want to, you know, turn things around. Obviously, you know, there's a big price tag. Who's going to control what? What checks are going to be written? Uh, if you're looking outside of those two coaches, I think Dan Quinn. I like Dan Quinn a lot. You know, you, we they brought they brought Brandon Staley in because he's a supposed to be a defensive guru, help the defense out because we all know with those talented guys they got on the defense with Derwin James. And all, you know, they got guys there, so you want to bring a defensive minded coach in. Dan Quinn is also now you got you know a couple colleges that come up coming up from uh on the college level. I think the Washington coach um, has been talked about a little bit. There's a couple uh, coordinators. Uh, I think the offensive coordinator for, for the Lions there is a good opportunity. So I, I would look at about five or six guys, honestly, um, if you want to exclude Bill Belichick and J Jim Harbaugh because of just their their names, their uh, their history and their coaching uh, tenures and how long their body of work, what they've done. But there's about five or six guys out there that you have to really consider at the coordinating job, two from college uh, and, and uh, probably three or four guys in the offensive of defensive coordinators. Uh, currently in the NFL right now. Sean Merriman joining us. Sean, really quickly, what about your other former team, the Bills? I mean, dude, what a wild year it's been. I mean, they look like a Super Bowl contender. They look like they were going to miss the playoffs. They look like they're back to being a contender right now. What's your make on the Bills, and what do you think about what they just did to Dallas? How do they look to you? They look great, but it's it, for you know with them, it's is which team is going to show up. That's right. it's always been that the whole entire year. Is it going to be Josh Allen just throws two or three interceptions? Uh, them you know them having you know not being stable and running the football. Cook last night. That's what this team is made up on. When they're running the ball well, Diggs is going to have a big game. When they're running the ball well, the, the tight end. I know he had a couple drops in the game and whatnot. But when they're running the ball well, so much things, so many things open up for them. Josh Allen not turning the ball over. Nobody. No one can beat them when they're playing that style of football. And, you know, and this is this is another black eye for Dallas. You know, every time, you know, Dallas is going to go out and beat the teams they should beat, always. But when they face teams that would with, with, you know, winning records that are really good, they haven't shown a lot of upside in beating those level of teams. You know, and go, this goes back to the San Francisco 49ers and a few other teams they lost against this year that were good. So, you know, I – I want to give my former Bills all the love and credit in the world. When they show up, I don't think that nobody can beat them. And Dallas hasn't shown also that they can beat a team with a winning record and somebody that really brings something to the table. So uh, when the Bills are playing well, man, I really don't think that there's many teams other than the Ravens that's going to really give them problems on the AFC side. Yeah, you do not want to run into them when they play like that. Sean Merriman's joining us. Sean, you're still all in on the MMA game. You're running Lights Out Extreme Fighting. When is your next event? What excites you about that upcoming card? What's going on? Yeah, we got it. We got a huge event. Lights Out Extreme Fighting 13 Saturday, uh, January 6th in Long Beach, California. If you guys in, in Southern California, LightsOutXF.com is the, uh, how you get your tickets. We'll be live on Football TV, Football Sports. And this is our first women's main event. Um, typically, I don't get involved too much in the matchmaker side, but once in a while I do when you're pulling off you know, bigger fights like this, Abby Montez, Jackie Catalan, both of these women are badasses in the sport. They're very well known in the MMA community. Uh, it is going to be a brawl. I would not miss this one. Get your tickets again at LightsOutXF.com if you're in the Long Beach or SoCal area. We'll be live on Football TV, Football Sports at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday, uh, like January 6th. In the LBC. Sean, really quickly, what about the mentality? What's it take to get in the cage as compared to, I mean, like you played one of the most violent games ever. It's a different sport. It's a different breed. It's a different kind of contact and violence. How would you describe MMA or as the mentality it takes to do what they do? 
Well, just like football, you got to be crazy as hell. <laughs> I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, w- one thing I've always loved, I've been around this uh, sport, MMA, for 17 years. And the uh, j- just the, the rise and how global it is now, we're getting, even for us now, man, we're getting fighters reach out to us from all over the country. Um, we're up 90% from last fight on Fubo TV, Fubo Sports, broke another record there. So it's fun for us because uh, I think that this sport has so much potential. We're going to make some big announcements here with former athletes, former football players, and former NFL guys that's transitioning. We're going to take a few fights uh, with light side extreme fights. So that's going to be fun for us to, uh, you know, just guys looking to want to still compete. They didn't get a, a chance to have a long career in the NFL. That's going to take some fights and put on a showcase for us. Sean, quickly, do they know when you have a former NFLer, right, and they understand discipline, they understand preparation, they understand fundamentals, they understand techniques, but they've never really done it before and they're fans, generally what's it like when they get down there on the mat and they try it for the first time? Well, you know, for one, you don't walk in there with a bunch of pride, right? You know that starting out, you're, you're just going to be behind the eight ball when it comes to uh, skill level, discipline. These guys have been doing it a lot longer. One thing about former football players, just athletes in general, you're not walking in that cage with two left feet. You know how to work. You're not afraid to work in your discipline. Uh, these guys walk in with explosion and power. They just need to learn how to punch and work on their ground game. But you're going to see a lot of a lot in this next six to 12 months, a lot of former athletes transition into MMA because the money is there, the opportunities there, the upside is there. And more importantly, you got some guys who just flat out pissed off from how their careers ended. Uh, maybe not have another opportunity with a team or organization to say, man, I want to go kick some ass. And, and those are typically the, the athletes that we want. Dude, that is so interesting, right? You want that guy with the chip or that gal with the chip on their shoulder. Get right down to it, Sean. How many athletes, high-level athletes, actually go out on their own terms in whatever sport it is? Not that many, right? No, very few, especially in football. You know, once they come and ask for your playbook, you hand it over, you're the next fight out of there. And uh, that's that's what typically happens. And it happens to all of us, right? We we play the game as long as we have uh, to play in the NFL or any any pro sport like that. It, it's you got to be. It's a privilege. It's an honor. But we all know that one day that comes to an end. And so what happens is a lot of these uh, uh, former athletes struggle with that transition, try to figure out. I have I I got big name guys right now that play in the NFL that's doing jujitsu and Muay Thai and sparring right now. That's thinking about taking a fight because these guys are just physically ready to still compete. And so, uh, I, you know, hopefully I can start making those announcements soon. You know, I got to talk to some wives and talk to the family and kind of tell them that everything's going to be good. We, You know, they're going to put out a show, make sure they're safe. But we have some really, really big names that's considering coming coming over to fight uh, for us, the light side extreme fight. Interesting. He is a former NFL linebacker. He did play eight years with the Chargers and the Bills. Also a promoter and owner of Lights Out Extreme Fighting, Sean Merriman, my guest. Sean, always good to get caught up, man. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Good luck with that. You got it, man. Thanks for having me. Good night, now.